0: Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our collective heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's amazing how when you think about all the different things that are said to you in the history of your entire life, there are those certain moments When things that are shared with you really seem to hit home and you carry with them for the rest of your life. And that was the case with some advice that was given to me, or actually to my wife, to both of us, during the first weeks in which we lived in the country of Brazil. I think many of you know that story. You know how uh, in 2003, when I graduated from our seminary, my first opportunity to serve the Lord in a public ministry was in the country of Brazil. And so um, we graduated in May, and then we we packed up our our few belongings that we were going to have sent down to Brazil. And in a couple of months, we found ourselves arriving in Brazil and studying out on our own in this new adventure, which was absolutely miserable for a while. No, just a just part of trying to get acclimated. And so I remember we were in our apartment and we were trying to figure out um, what was going to be our daily routine and all the different challenges that go along with, with living in a new country and a new culture and trying to embrace it, but yet struggling with some of it. And then a very seasoned veteran in the mission field the piece of advice that was given was this. Don't forget to hang the curtains. You understand? Don't forget to hang the curtains, is what was told. And their thought was this. You can have two ways of looking at your situation. You could always look at yourself as being a foreigner- And just passing by and not set up shop, you know that you're going to be in a rented apartment or a rented home for the the extent of your time here. And you know that there's a good probability that you might perhaps return to the United States in the future and you might just get the attitude of putting your head down and saying, I can get through anything. Or you can embrace the situation and take ownership of where you are. And the idea was until you hang the curtains, you aren't making that place your home. You're not taking the time to hang the curtains and say, I am here and whether it's for a short term or a long term, this is going to be my home and this is where I'm going to focus my efforts because this is the place where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to take ownership of my situation. And that meant a lot to us as we talked about how to go through our time together. Do you understand the two sides? The difference between just trying to get through but living your life kind of as an outsider and watching as everyone else is going about their routine or being a part of it and making sure that you are taking ownership of the situation. Well, today we want to take that concept and we want to apply it to the church. You see, you know, because I mentioned it, it's been in your worship folder, the idea of ownership is in front of us today. We want everyone taking ownership of the church. Now, let's just be clear right away. The owner of the church is God. It's his body, as he says in Scripture. And yet, don't think that that means that you don't get to play a part in this. Because we are the body of Christ and we, as Christians, as children of God, as part of that family, we have the opportunity to take ownership of the church as well. And you'll see how. Owners are dedicated. And owners are responsible. So I'm going to read to you now from Romans chapter 12 and we'll see what, how Paul's words here to the Romans really resonate with us as we strive to take ownership of, of the body of Christ here on earth. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. It's the word of our Lord. Romans chapter 12. You know that that comes after 11 other chapters. And I wish we could spend a couple hours right now and we could start to scratch the surface of what that means, but what an incredible book. It's just an amazing book. The, the book of Romans with the roller coaster of the human emotions because as you walk with Paul through his letter to the Romans, you see the, the full spectrum Of sin and grace. In the first chapters, Paul does not mince words at all. He basically lines everyone up, whether you are a Jew, whether you are a Gentile, and he says, It's very obvious you are on the wrong side of God. Look at what sin has done to you. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then from that point on, from chapter 3 and following, he makes this beautiful exposition that. Everyone from Jew to Gentile are saved by God's grace. And then he talks about living in that grace with not having the the fear of punishment anymore because now you know that in Christ your sins have been forgiven. And then he gets to the end of chapter 11 finally and he says, Oh, how great and how deep and how rich is the mercy of God and his understanding far beyond anything I could ever understand. Therefore... You see, he brings you all the way up to that point. Sin, grace, new life in Christ. Therefore, with that in mind, he says, it's going to change how you serve your God. It's going to change how you view the church because now is the chance to take ownership. No, you don't see those words explicitly stated here. But what you do see is this phrase in view of God's mercy the mercy that i just laid out so beautifully for you paul saying in view of that mercy i'm urging you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices you see those words maybe don't mean quite as much to us as they would have to the original recipients Because we're a little further removed from the Old Testament times, but a sacrifice was a known entity in the Old Testament. In fact, you would show your dedication, your buy-in approach to God and his will by regularly bringing sacrifices to show that my sin has separated me from God, but Lord, I understand sacrifice is necessary in here. Day after day in the temple courts, the tabernacle courts of the Old Testament, sacrifices would be offered. And now Paul's saying, guys, Jesus has come. He was the final sacrifice, but now you show your dedication. I'm urging you, he says, to live your life, not as a sacrifice that's going to die, but every day of your life as a living sacrifice. Offer yourself up. Because that shows your dedication to God. You're showing your ownership. You're all in. You've bought into the new reality of being at peace with God. And now you could stand out as an outsider and watch as things unfold. Or I'm urging you be in the mix, offering yourself up as a spiritual offering, a living offering. Every day of your lives. You see, he's saying, this is what dedication looks like. So think about dedication. Owners of Christ's body are dedicated. But think about how often we use that word dedicated. If you were to think right now, what are the things that I am dedicated to right now? Dedicated, another example would be the things that I regularly will attend to the things that I will not miss the things that are priority perhaps it's an amazing the amount of things that we find ourselves dedicated to and we don't even think of that word some of us are dedicated to three square meals a day maybe not many of us anymore because snacking happens Some of us are dedicated to certain programs on television. I will not miss an episode. Some of us are so dedicated to our children's sporting events that whether it's a practice or a game, you can guarantee that I will be there like clockwork. Some of us are dedicated to not being truthful with ourselves. We're dedicated at running interference and making excuses for things that we know are wrong. But we're dedicated to giving ourselves the best impression to the outside world. And so we constantly run away from the truth in order to hide a lie. You see, the reality of it is is that frequently the very things that we find ourselves dedicated to aren't nearly as important as the dedication that Paul is asking us to show as living sacrifices. And so let's just stop again for a moment and say, well, what should we be dedicated to? Or what does true dedication look like? And just use Christ's example. Think of your Savior. Think of his, his work on your behalf. And if a word was to describe him, he certainly is dedicated He offered his body up as a living sacrifice with complete dedication. When he took our flesh, when he became a man, he was born and he said, every day of my life, I'm going to be a living sacrifice. I'm all in. I'm showing ownership to the situation in front of me. I'm going to be perfect I will not fall into sin because I need to be perfect on behalf of those who are imperfect and then I'm going to give my life on the cross as the atoning sacrifice only to take it back up again. I am dedicated to this task. That's dedication. That's our Savior. And so it reminds us that we now have opportunity to rededicate ourselves with our lives. Because owners, owners of a church that teach and preach and relish who Christ is, we get to be all in on this now. And our daily act of service to God is continuing to trumpet that message for all to hear. Owners are dedicated, but Owners are also responsible. Let's see how that resonates now as we go back to Romans chapter 12. You see, in the first three verses, he's ta- or excuse me, two verses, he talks about how that spiritual act of worship—it's going to show itself in a way that this world doesn't always understand. It's transforming our lives because we're now motivated by a different set of priorities. Service rather than being served. But that service that we're called to to offer, basking in the joys of forgiveness, it's a responsible service. And you see that responsibility in this phrase For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, he says, which is his way of saying we're all in this together now and we're all here to live our lives as a living sacrifice. But now don't start thinking highly of yourself and and taking the position that other people might have, but rather do a self-inventory through the light of God's word and with sober judgment, think through how you Can best take ownership along with the person to your right and your left so that everyone works together for the body of Christ. That's Paul laying out the beautiful example of the New Testament Christian life. And then he gives some examples. He talks about how one body has many members and those members don't all have the same function, but he emphasizes that we each have been given gifts with which as responsible members, we show that we are all in and take ownership of our situation. But what that does mean is that we're not just going to walk in here and in the body of Christ, wait to be served every time. Because that is a temptation we have. We don't want to hang the curtains. We want to be temporary. We don't want to get too involved because by becoming too involved, that shows commitment. And by nature, we're a little bit anti-commitment. And so, we won't hang the curtains. We're just going to stand by and watch. And maybe people will serve me. To which Paul says how is that offering yourself as a living sacrifice? Rather, take that inventory of what you have and who you are, and once again, relishing the sacrifice of Christ on your behalf and that new status you have as a child of God and part of the family, be responsible now with the gifts that God and his grace has given you. And to be honest, we have an embarrassment of riches. An embarrassment of riches. Have you heard that phrase before? My dad used that phrase all the time for a variety of things. But Paul gives a couple of the different possible gifts that God in his grace doles out to each of the members of his family. He mentions things like prophesying, which seem to be more prevalent and common in first century time of Christ. But he also talks about things like serving and encouraging and giving and teaching and governing and showing mercy, all equal in stature, wonderful gifts that have been given to the church. And as we hang our curtains, we put those gifts to use for the common good of everyone. Because we're not here to be served only, but to serve. And as we do that, we start to see the beauty of everyone growing together through the body of Christ and the gifts that have been entrusted. It's true That we could rely on the gifts of one or a few. But really that's not fair to those who aren't involved. Because they don't know the joy of service. The joy of daily living their lives, giving it up as a daily sacrifice, a living sacrifice, a way for them to take ownership of the work in front of them. This is just one of our core values and yet I think you're starting to see how things can all be put together. You start thinking way back to the beginning, to the fact that we're, we're going to be motivated by joy and, and not by guilt. You start thinking about last week, we stand on the truth of God's word and when you start putting all of the truths together that we have learned and study, you start to feel like, well, what can I do to be involved? Ah, we all get to fight, in a good way, for ownership. And so this Sunday, as we have studied through the word in Romans chapter 12, if it means something to you like it meant to me, I want you to leave here thinking, am I going to hang my curtains up at Divine Savior? Am I, is this going to be my home? Is this going to be the place where I feel comfortable living and acting and working Because I'm all in. That's ownership. I want to give who I am to the work here for the sake of proclaiming the name of Christ. And as you're hanging your curtain, I look forward to seeing you there. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus our Lord. Amen.